Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission and our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. These are the readings for Sunday, May 30th, 2021. First reading comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, beginning at the first verse. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me! I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed, and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. The second reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 12 through 17, beginning at the twelfth verse. Brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if, in fact, we suffer with Him so that we may be glorified with Him. The Gospel comes from the book of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, 
No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, You must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, You are a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things. Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Well, grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today is Holy Trinity Sunday. It's the Sunday that we celebrate the Trinity. And as many of you know, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. It is not a story. It is not mentioned in there. It is a doctrine of the church, a doctrine developed centuries ago by our church fathers, trying to make sense of the nature of our God trying to make sense of Jesus, who was present at creation, but somehow also God's son born later of a woman. And the spirit that somehow emanates from God and yet is present in the breath of Jesus. God is one, they knew that, but God is also somehow three. And so this doctrine was developed, and God in it is three co-eternal persons, each distinct yet one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we read this text from John on Trinity Sunday because all three members of the Trinity are present in this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. First, Jesus talks about the need to be born of the Spirit from above. And then in those special, famous words, Jesus mentions the Father and the Son. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now that's technically why we read this passage. Not because of Nicodemus, but because it hints at the Trinity 
And it helps us to see where our church fathers may have gotten the idea for this doctrine. But I love this text, not because it supports the doctrine, but because I love Nicodemus. I think that I have preached more on Nicodemus than any other Bible figure. He is like an old friend to me. I get Nicodemus because he struggles. He struggles with the stuff that Jesus says, and it just doesn't make sense. He struggles so much to understand that the text says he showed up in the dark to ask Jesus questions. It's more, it's, it's not about the time of day, it's more than that. It's about his state of mind and the fact that he struggles. He struggles to understand, and because of that, he's reluctant to go all in with Jesus. And I get that. I think part of why I ended up being a pastor is because in my younger years, I just couldn't let go of these questions, and so I studied and studied and studied. And once you've studied that much, you might as well get a degree in it. And so here I am. So I wonder if Nicodemus, the great questioner, would find some irony in us reading his text on Trinity Sunday. Certainly, if he had trouble understanding what Jesus was saying here about the Spirit, he'd have questions about our mysterious doctrine. If I could talk to Nicodemus, I'd try to explain the whole thing to him by showing him this. This is a little Christian church at the center of a French mountain village, Le Chambon. And above the lintel post, etched in stone, is this phrase, Amez-vous les sangs, les sols, which means love one another. That is the epitome of this Christian faith, loving relationships. And it springs forth from a God who is, in God's self, relationship. That is what the doctrine of the Trinity boils down to for me. It's a God who so values relationship in his people that he is relationship in himself. I've wrestled to make sense of it, to untangle the mystery, and aside from the apple, that's the best I've come up with. And if I had to explain to Nicodemus what following a triune God looks like, I'd say to him, it's like a piano to me. That wooden box of black and white keys is an absolute mystery to me, but not to my daughter. She knows how it works. She even knows why it works. And sitting there on her piano bench next to her, I'm powerless to understand what she's doing. But if she takes my hand and places three fingers on three keys and tells me to press down, and I do, a chord answers back. And it makes complete sense to my ears. It even resonates in my body. It rings true. That is what it means to follow a triune God. A lot of this is mystery. The bread, the wine, the water, the prayers that are answered, the prayers that are unanswered. A cross that cancels sin, a spirit that holds us in truth, a creator God that lets bad things happen, a king with a throwny corn, a baby in a manger. All of that is more than a mystery. It is, at times, crazy. But when Jesus places his hand over ours, 
And when we place our feet in his footfalls and press down and follow, our lives ring true and accord answers. The walk makes sense. That's just what happened for Nicodemus. He does not reach any conclusions in this conversation with Jesus that bring him into the light of understanding. He will show up again in John's gospel, still in the dark. But he does decide to follow Jesus. He trails him throughout the gospel. And every time we read about him again, he's just a little less in the dark. But not because his questions are answered, but because something happens to him in the following. And at the end of John's gospel, it's Nicodemus who comes and takes Jesus' crucified body and tends to his burial, the most intimate thing someone can do. He lovingly wraps him in funeral spices and clean linens that he's purchased. There is no mystery there. Following Jesus, even when he didn't fully understand this mysterious Lord, gets him to where Jesus is. My fa- one of my favorite Bible uh, preachers, Beth Moore, says, I'm following Jesus to get to Jesus. That is Nicodemus. And that is where he ends up, standing in the full light of faith and love and acting in care and compassion and fidelity to God's Son. Now, I'm sure as you came in, you saw those um, stoles out there. Normally, we confirm our eighth grade class on Pentecost, which was last week, but we couldn't, so we shifted it to this week. But I was thinking, what a gift it ends up being to confirm them on Trinity Sunday. Because when you boil all this down, Nicodemus, the doctrine, the unanswered questions, Trinity Sunday is really an invitation One we are extending to these young people, we will confirm today. We are inviting them into a mystery. A mystery that says Jesus offers us life and salvation through a cross. A mystery that says that somehow we learn more about that salvific love when we have a meal together. A mystery that says somehow we are given the presence of the Holy Spirit when we splash water on our face. And we cannot promise these young people that we will ever figure out this mystery, and nor are they likely to. But we can promise them that it will shape them in ways that following any other sure thing in this world won't. And we can promise them that following Jesus will make them mysterious. People will wonder why they give their time so readily in service. People will wonder why they bow their heads and give thanks for every blessing. People will wonder how they are able to forgive so readily when they find it so hard. And they'll wonder why they spend Sunday morning singing and praying. We are inviting them into a mystery with us. But what isn't a mystery is how it will shape them and where they will end up. No more than how it will shape you and where you will end up. You will be like that church in Le Chambon. One of the great mysteries of World War II was this little church. There are stories all over, both within Germany and all over the Allied nations in Europe, of individuals 
Individuals who risked everything to help Jewish people escape Nazi Germany. Individuals who would hide people in their houses, who would do their tiny little part. But almost no stories of entire villages who risked everything to save Jewish people. Very, very seldom, if ever, could you get large groups of people to agree to take the risk of helping Jews. But this little French town did just that. Almost the entire town conspired, concealed, along with this little church and its pastor, Andre Trachme, to hide, shelter, and rescue over 5,000 Jews, nearly 3,000 of them children. It may be a mystery to the rest of the world how an entire town could be convinced to risk their lives to save those people. But what compelled Pastor Trachme was no mystery. They are brothers and sisters of the Bible. And as that church inscription read over their heads every Sunday, it was their job to love one another to risk a relationship with them, as mysterious as that relationship might be. Brothers and sisters, the longer I walk in this mysterious faith, the less and less the Trinity is about a doctrine, and the more and more it's about what this relational God does in our lives. So for us, and for these young people, we will confirm today, may we all be where one day Nicodemus is at the end of his story, still shrouded in mystery, but covered in grace and mercy and love and light. And having lived for something greater than himself and having lived into a purpose far greater than the world with all of its proclaimed certainties, can hope to offer us. So come, brothers and sisters, let us join the mystery once again. Thanks be to God, to the triune God. Amen. The most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of Scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you, and I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be.